We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on on another Monday night to uh, talk everything from uh, the previous weekend of college football, but a lot of coaching carousel conversation is going to be going on right now. That is for sure. Conference realignment, of course, my top 25. But first, I want to get to something that I just watched in the Monday Night Football game. I know I'm going to focus on college football here, but now I'm going to go into my coaching realm here. Um, Again, I was a college basketball coach, not a football coach, but timeouts are important, folks. Matt Nagy wasted a timeout in that game, and it came back to bite him in the butt, and the Bears lost the football game. Just, just gonna say, timeouts are important. As a, as a head basketball coach, I always wanted to have at least one timeout in my back pocket at the end of games. It's a big deal. It means a lot in basketball, football, whatever the sport is. You want to have timeouts in crunch time. It's very, very important. Matt Nagy and the Bears screwed up there. But, but that leads me. <laughs> speaking of Matt Nagy and coaching carousels, that's like that's a guy who should get fired for sure. But let's let's go into just the craziness that is unfolding in the coaching world right now. This is the time of year where a lot of coaches are uh, firing their assistants and coordinators just so they can try and save their behinds. Uh, we saw Florida fire their defensive coordinator. Kind of surprised it took this long. But uh, Florida let go of their defensive coordinator. Washington made a lot of firings today. Nebraska, I mean, you're, we're kind of seeing it all over the place right now. All these, all these big P5 programs that are in limbo, uh, firing their coordinators and uh, different position coaches just to try to save themselves. But like I said, it's that time of year, and that's what happens. Uh, speaking of Nebraska, Scott Frost got a vote of confidence today from uh, from the AD Trev Alberts came out and gave him a vote of confidence said he will be back in 2022 which I am not against because I I know it's I know it's year four and you don't want moral victories and the team's three and seven but I feel like Nebraska's really close I really do they made some key mistakes there at the end of that Ohio State game that cost them the game but I just feel I just feel they're close and uh I think next year I looked at their non-con schedule. It's I believe it was uh, North Dakota, Georgia Southern, and then they host Oklahoma before they go into Big Ten play. I think next year, it bare minimum, they have to make a bowl game, bare minimum, um, for him to keep his job. But I also know that uh, his contract was restructured went from five million a year to four million a year and they lowered his buyout which was which is the key with him because his buyout was huge 
I want to say it was like 28 million if he was going to get fired this year, but next year it it drops drastically to, I want to say that the figure that I saw was either seven and a half million or 5 million, which is obviously a drastic drop. But, uh, realistically i think it's a smart move for nebraska because one you don't want to pay that buyout and two i i really feel i really really feel that they that they're close they're they're close and and you don't want to like i said you don't want to say that in year four you really don't but my question would be to anybody who is disagreeing with that and and let me know shoot me a message uh would love to talk about this but who who could Nebraska get that's that's better, and that's kind of what I've said over the years with Michigan. Who would who could Michigan get that's better? I mean, I, I feel like Nebraska is. I mean, it's a good job, but it's a it, it it's a job that uh, it it's not what it was, and it's a difficult place to recruit to, in my opinion. Now, and just the fan base the fan base is loyal. The fan base expects too much, in my opinion. And you just can't be what you were in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. There's just no way. I I don't think Nebraska's ever going to be that. But there's no reason Nebraska can't be competing and winning Big Ten West titles and going to the Big Ten title game year in, year out. There's no reason that can't happen. And that that should be expected. That really should be. And, and they're not at that level right now. But I don't feel like they're that far off. I don't feel that way. Uh, well, one of the one of the uh, another head coaching position opened up uh, this week, um, yesterday, at the University of Massachusetts. Walt Bell was finally let go um, after a terrible loss to Rhode Island where they were thoroughly outplayed and outclassed um, in his time at at UMass he was two and 23 but in that loss to uh, to Rhode Island they paid Rhode Island three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in that game and then they lose the game 35 to 22 which has to feel like a rock bottom feeling for UMass Amherst. I mean, it really, really has to feel that way. But the the first thing that came to mind is, okay, naturally you go to, okay, who, who that, who is on the top of that head coaching list? Um, And one name came to mind very, very quickly, but the number one thing that has to take place at UMass to, to hire any coach who's who would be capable of taking them to the level that they can get to is you have to get better resources. And when I say better resources, you need to pump more money into the program and put give the program better resources, but you also have to pay the head coach a heck of a lot more money and you have to have a better assistant coaching pool, uh, money pool. So bare minimum, the head coaching pool needs to be a million. In, in my opinion, at the FBS level, I really think if you want to be successful that your head coach needs to make a million dollars. And I know there's a lot of co- head coaches out there who don't make a million dollars. Jamie Chadwell is one of the best coaches in America at Coastal Carolina. He doesn't make a million dollars. He will very soon, but he doesn't right now. So in my opinion, if you want to if you want to have a very very successful program, the school needs to shell out money to that coach. 
and I think that plat that that range is a million dollars. That's my opinion. I know I know that's a heck of a lot easier said than done, but but then the other big key is you need to pay assistance. And if you want to have a good program, you need to have great assistance for recruiting aspects, for playing for player development aspects, and just to have a good team. I mean, so a two million dollar assistant coaching pool I think is very very important. But like I said, one name came to mind very quickly, and it was Don Brown, the defensive cor- current defensive coordinator at Arizona, former defensive coordinator at Michigan. Um, he's kind of been all over the place, but uh, he was a previous head coach at UMass, and uh, in the early to mid two thousands when they were at the FCS level, and in two thousand six he took them to the FCS national title game. Well, back then it would have been one double A, but. Uh, Took him in 2006. He took him to the national title game, where they lost to App State, and uh, he he left in 2008 to take the defensive coordinator job at Maryland. He he's since been at a coordinator at UConn, Boston College, Michigan, and now Arizona. So I mean, he's he's been around, but he's a Northeast guy. He's from Massachusetts. He's a former former head coach at Massachusetts. In his five years at UMass, he went 43 and 19, with the two benchmark years in 06, going 13 and two, playing for the national title. In 2007, went 10 and three, and made it to the quarterfinals. Now, Don Brown is 66 years old, so obviously he's not a spring chicken. So <clears throat> I, I definitely have to say that there needs to be somebody in place um at like a head coach and waiting of sorts and i think it needs to be a young uh offensive minded guy because don brown's going to be a deep obviously a defensive minded guy but the the names that come to mind real quickly i don't know if he would leave his current role for a head coach and waiting aspect at uh at umass because i think he's going to be considered for some other job head coaching jobs Bob Chesney at Holy Cross comes to mind. Very, very good football coach. He's won at every level he's been at. He's a terrific recruiter in the Northeast. He's done well outside of the Northeast as well. I think he'd be a really, really good hire there. And another young mind or another young guy that comes to mind has to be Nunzio Capanelli, the tight ends coach at Rutgers. Now, he he doesn't have direct ties to UMass, but he is a legend in New Jersey um, and has tons and tons of ties to the Northeast. I think he would be, and he's a name I've seen thrown around on social media today and yesterday, um, another guy that I could see thrown around as a Massachusetts high school football legend and current quarterback an assistant head coach at New New Hampshire's Ricky Santos. I think he's another guy that as a young guy that could be that could be like your head coach in waiting of sorts. So those two guys under Don Brown are guys that I think like, okay, that that would make sense. But I think I think if they could pull Liam Cohen away from Kentucky, he is a UMass alum. Um and he he holds several of the school's passing records. He led them to that national championship game appearance in 06. I think he would be 
if you're not going to do the Don Brown route, I think Liam Cohen at Kentucky is your is your next guy. I really, really do. And and I say that because of what he did for that program in that 06 season and that run that they had. I, I think it's I think it's really, really important to especially at a school like UMass to have somebody like that who's been there and done that. Now the only issue I don't know currently UMass if cur- if they're going by their current pay scale, I don't think they have enough money to offer Liam Cohen for him to leave Kentucky. Now, if they up that, which which I think they have to, if they up it, I think uh, I think that they have that they would have something there. I really, I really, really do. So I think it comes down to if it's me and my thinking right now. It's Don Brown, and then you hire an offensive-minded head coach and waiting young guy as an offensive coordinator, <clears throat> or Liam Cohen. I, in my opinion, that's how I see it, and that's uh, that's what I'm going to stick to. <clears throat> I think, uh, but it'll be really, really interesting to see how that goes. But the number one thing comes down to better resources, and that leads me into. My next, uh, my next uh, talk here on the UConn Huskies. I have a theory on what UConn is going to do with their head coaching position. UConn was the first to uh, let their head coach go in Randy Etzel, and uh, they they have not been quick or. Or maybe they have because they've been very secretive. Like Ad Benedict has done a great job of uh, keeping this under wraps. Whatever, whatever the decision may be, he's done a fantastic job with that. It's been very, very quiet. But I think, and and I and I'm going and I'm going to say what I'm going to say because of some of the things I've seen on Twitter from a player perspective and just from what I've seen from them hitting the recruiting trail. I personally think. Lou Spanos is going to be named the next head coach at UConn and had the interim tag removed. I think he has done, I'm not going to say that's the right answer. So when I say, I think this is going to happen, I'm not going to say that is the right answer that they should do, but I, I will say the, the current players love him. They have played their tails off for him and he has gotten the absolute most that he can out of every single player on that roster so that that, that's one thing and you see a lot of the players tweeting stuff out about him and how much they they love and support him and appreciate him and and i think all uconn fans would love lou spanos as a man i think i think the question comes in is is he is he the right person to lead the program forward? I think uh, is the question then that comes up because I mean, yet again, like in the Don Brown scenario, I mean, Lou Spanos isn't a spring chicken either. So, I mean, he's fifty, so he's not that old, but he he has some amazing ties um, in his coaching uh, tree and how and how long he's coached as well. But uh, 
I don't know. It's just it's just an inkling I have uh, from just from what I've seen from the players, um, from what they've been saying, what they've been doing, and uh, I I think that the in this two week stretch when they've been off, you've seen Lou Spanos and that current staff just recruiting all over the place and I give them so much credit for that because as an interim staff that is not an easy thing to do so I, I, I think I think it speaks volumes to him as a man and as a coach now now like I said UConn fans I, I'm not saying that this is the, the right answer that's just how I feel with how quiet it has been I know there's been the Al, Gore, Al Golden rumors recently. I just don't think there's a scenario where that realistically happens because I just feel like he is Randy Etzel. I feel like it's the same thing. And I've, at least Lou Spanos, you're getting a guy who uh, who's a lot more energetic and player-friendly, as it seems. But I, I do feel... If if there is if there is a higher already in place, I feel like it could be Bob Chesney, who I just mentioned for UMass. I feel like it could be Bob Chesney from Holy Cross um, getting the UConn job. I feel like if if I feel like just it's just my opinion. I feel like it's one of those two guys, and. Trust me, I don't have any inside inside resources on this at all. This is just all an inkling for me um, and just how I see it. But I'd like to go a little bit more into the coaching carousel a little bit. Um, Florida is an absolute mess. I, I don't I don't understand how uh, how, D how Dan Mullen has a job still after that pitiful pitiful performance at uh at South Carolina this weekend I mean that was just awful but uh allegedly there were some injuries and he came out today and said that, um the quarterback was injured dancing and just just some craziness that I mean if that's really true I mean that uh that's that's not good he's he's had some real interesting uh interviews lately that uh just just uh just kind of crazy but uh, again, just that whole situation is just bizarre. Another one that's really, really crazy to me is Virginia Tech. Like Justin Fuente, and that that's turning into a mess there. I mean, they just looked terrible Friday night on national television against Boston College. Another situation that's getting dicey is Jimmy Lake at Washington. I think we've all seen the incident on the sideline where he hit his player. I think that's being a little bit blown out of proportion, but but it is what it is. But uh, he that that program seems a little bit in disarray. Um, but one one new hire, uh, Baylor assistant uh, Joey McGuire, officially was accepted as the Texas Tech head coach today. Amazing ties, obviously, in the Texas. Uh, Texas ties and he'll he'll be going up and recruiting battles against Baylor for a long time and <clears throat> I think it's a really really good hire there makes that one makes a lot of sense just go 
just go hire one of the better coordinators from one of your rivals. I think that's a smart way to do it. But uh, we're going to be finding out a lot more things over the next couple of weeks and month, about a month or so, um, just how many coaching changes are going to be coming. I think there's going to be a lot of coaching changes this year. I really, really do. I think a lot of guys got a pass a little bit in the COVID year, um, but they're not going to get that now. And uh, it's really, really changing the landscape. So that leads me into, I want to talk about um, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers and their performance uh, against Georgia Southern in another monsoon. I always have to take some time to talk about Coastal here, guys, because I, I love I love that program, and I love Jamie Chadwell, and I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that he doesn't leave Coastal for another position. And I firmly believe he will stay at Coastal. I think he'll get a sizable pay raise this offseason, and I think he will stay at Coastal and stay in the Sun Belt, and I think the Sun Belt is going to – is well, I mean they already are rising to the occasion, but rising even more uh, monetarily to pay their coaches. I think I mean obviously you say Clay Helton getting the Georgia Southern job, but uh, I think it's uh, a big deal to uh, to have a guy like Jamie Chadwell in that conference with the innovative offense that they have. Um, Grayson McCall has an upper body injury; he's out indefinitely. I know he was. And I'm, I know he was out uh, trying to play, and I think uh, the weather had a lot to do with keeping him out. But Coastal uh, Carpenter, the backup quarterback, came in and just played an amazing game. Um, this is this is a program with a lot of selfless guys because they they got guys who played a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton when they were at the FCS level, and now they're just like. They're playing their role right now, and and uh, if you want to have a successful team, that that's necessary. Like Bryce Carpenter, the quarterback, he went from QB one to QB two, back to QB one in this game, and he's prepared, ready to go. But I think the number one thing to get from that is he didn't transfer. Grayson McCall is a special, special talent, especially at Coastal Carolina. But Bryce Carpenter stayed prepared, stayed ready. And when his team needed him this past Saturday, he was ready to go. Ready to go. And I applaud him for that. Then you got Cam Brown at receiver, who's in his seventh year. He was an FCS All-American. He's now the third option on offense between, behind Isaiah Likely and Javon Hiley. But he's... They're on one of the. He's on one of the best offenses in America. He doesn't complain, knows his role, always steps up, and he made some plays in that game in a monsoon the Saturday night. <clears throat> and then you look at Javon Hiley in that game. He's a few hundred yards short from setting the school record for receiving yards. He didn't have a single catch in that game, but he made a huge special teams play in that game. To, to help win that game. Another guy who who step who's who uh they just there, there's so many guys you can go down the list from that team that just selfless selfless guys 
that uh, that know their role and that that put everything aside for the team, and that is why they're successful. But I gotta talk about Josiah Stewart, the freshman defensive end. He had four sacks against Georgia Southern, breaking his own program single game record of three and a half that he set earlier in the season. This young man is a special, special talent, and he is going to do some amazing things at Coastal Carolina and nationally. This young man will be a freshman All-American, and he will be an All-American before it's all said and done because he's going to play on Sundays, folks, but he will be an All-American and a superstar before it's all said and done. He he has all the tools. And this is with some other really, really good players on that defensive line as well. But but that young man has stepped up and played his butt off the entire season. And I just have to give him a shout out on here because it was it was pretty amazing to watch. He's a heck of a football player. So now I'm gonna go into talking about Conference USA, some uh, interesting news today dropping about uh, Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky. It's sounding like they are both going to stay in Conference USA, which is very interesting because I personally thought that they were going to go to the MAC. Uh, the money issue I've heard is what's holding up Middle Tennessee, and I and I've heard that Western Kentucky is not going to go unless Middle Tennessee goes which only makes sense for the Mac because why would you add one and not the other? But, uh, <clears throat> but it's really, really interesting to see that because that sets up conference USA for something really interesting because it, it's been announced Liberty, New Mexico state, uh, Sam Houston state and Jacksonville state, uh, Sam Houston state and Jacksonville state moving up from FCS, New Mexico state staying in FBS instead of moving down to FCS for the whack and then Liberty joining a conference. This this conference is going to be very, very spread out with New Mexico State and UTEP in the West. You got Sam Houston State, Louisiana Tech, Jacksonville State, FIU, and then you're going to have Liberty, um, Middle Tennessee, and uh, Western Kentucky. But uh, one thing, that's a really good league for college basketball. That's going to be that's going to be a fun league to watch from a college basketball perspective. Really, really good. Um, it shouldn't be a one-bid league, in my opinion, when that's all said and done. But from a football perspective, it's going to be really interesting to see who kind of takes takes the initiative and takes the lead in this because I think we look at it right now, Liberty uh, could set themselves really up really well um, set themselves up really well to uh, to be the leader in that league from the start. You think about historically Western Kentucky should definitely be there, but the UTEP has had a resurgence uh, this year and is playing a lot better. Louisiana Tech has a history recently of being better. I mean, this year they're not very good, but they got a history there. It'll be interesting to see Sam Houston State and Jacksonville State making the move up. But Sam Houston State won the FCS national title last year. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see um, what transpires in that league. And if Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky stay, that gives that that gives the league nine, which 
you need to have eight to uh, <clears throat> to uh, be a FBS conference. But that kind of leaves uh, UMass in limbo when it comes to that because that was the uh, – everybody was kind of saying, oh, that might be uh, the way for UMass to join the league. But uh, UMass is uh, going to be in a very interesting position when it comes to that. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know what the right answer is there. I do think that they need to join a league, but I just don't know what that looks like right now. And I think Conference USA, with the four teams they just added, and if they're able to keep Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee with also having FIU, Louisiana Tech, and UTEP, I, th- I think it. I think it's a better league than than people think. I really do. Um, I think uh, at the be. I mean, there's been a lot of jokes going around, but uh, I think it's a lot better than anybody is giving credit for. So I will say that. So the rest of the show, I want to take some time to to run through my top 25. I release my top 25 every Sunday morning or early afternoon um, on my tw- on the Twitter account for the podcast. Please give us a follow at TNT College Foot One. But uh, my my top 25 number one Georgia. I think it's Georgia and a huge huge gap between Georgia and everybody else. I think Georgia's proved that, and I I don't know if anybody's going to be able to catch up. I really don't. Um, then number two, I got Cincinnati. I I feel I just feel like even though they've they've had some issues in some close games, I just think they've won out. They've done what they're supposed to do, um, and and I'm I'm confident in them. I really am. Uh, number three, I have Alabama. I just feel that, yes, they did not play well against LSU uh, this past Saturday. But I, I, I cannot uh, – I just can't go against them until proven, proven otherwise. Number four, I got Ohio State. I just feel like they're playing out of the Big Ten teams. They're playing the best football. Um, it'll be really interesting to see – their next couple weeks, what that looks like for them. Number five, I got Oklahoma. They're st- they've been steady. They haven't looked pretty, but their tests will be in the next couple weeks. We all know that. Um, they got ba- at Baylor this week, <clears throat> who's coming off a tough loss, but Baylor's going to give them everything they can handle. Number six, I got Oregon. I know Oregon beat Ohio State, and that's the debate between that head-to-head. And I'm all for, and I I want to put Oregon ahead of Ohio State in the head because of the head-to-head matchup. But Oregon's loss to Stanford is just something I can't look past. Um, Stanford is one of the worst P5 teams in the nation right now. I just I I, I just can't uh, that performance they had against uh, Utah Friday night was just abysmal, and I I, I just can't rank Oregon higher right now number seven I got Michigan State I have them ahead of Michigan at eight because I mean they beat them but uh Michigan State's coming off that tough loss against Purdue but Purdue is a it's a top five kryptonite <laughs> let's just say that especially when they're unranked so Ohio State better be weir- better uh be prepared 
because they've beaten them before. Like I said, I have Michigan at eight. I'll go with Notre Dame at nine. They seem to be playing better. Um, they have a, they have a pretty good test this week at Virginia, so that'll be interesting to see. Number ten, I got Oklahoma State. Um, be be a good matchup for Bedlam coming up in a couple weeks. Number eleven, Texas A and M. They're playing really really well, and I think they're starting to look like the Texas A and M team that we thought we were going to see all season. And uh, <clears throat> if if Alabama slips up again, Texas A and M is uh, primed to give Georgia a battle. Number twelve, I got Ole Miss. Um, their offense. That, I mean, there's nothing else you can say. That's a heck of an offense. Matt Corral is a really, really good player. Number 13, I got UTSA. If they're not in the college football playoff rankings that come out tomorrow, I think we should all riot. I mean, the Roadrunners are really good, guys. They're really, really good, and they, they deserve a shot. They really do. Number 14, I got Coastal Carolina. Everybody knows I'm standing on that soapbox, and I'm going to continue to do so. That is one of the best football teams in America. <clears throat> Whether people people want to realize it or admit it or not, that's that's fine. But Coastal is top-notch. Number 15, I got BYU. They're starting to click and play well. Uh, Taylor I, Tyler Algier is playing great football. I have him. I'll talk about my top five Heismans before I get off. I have him on that list. Number 16, I have Wake Forest. Have them dropping after that loss to North Carolina. Obviously, we, you got to. Number 17, I got Auburn. <clears throat> I feel like I should have dropped them more, but I never understood what the Auburn hype was really about, but they kind of proved it against A&M what they are. Number 18, I got Louisiana. That's, that's a really good football team um, with only one loss. Um, they might not lose another game until the Sun Belt title game. Number 19, NC State. They're playing really, really well. Are they the best team in the ACC? Maybe. Then uh, 20, I got Houston. They deserve some respect. Number 21, I got Wisconsin. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten West. The Big Ten West battle is going to be really, really interesting to see. Number 22, I got Purdue. Gotta, I got to rank them after what they did. 23, Iowa. I, I'm I think I'm going to be going to the University of Iowa this Saturday for the game against Minnesota. Um, I think that's going to be the next uh, next game on my tour. Looking forward to that. Uh, then at 24, I got Baylor coming off a tough loss. And 25, I got App State. So I got three teams from the Sun Belt ranked. My next five, Kentucky, SMU, San Diego State, Pitt, and Penn State. Um, as you can see, I'm big on the G5s. I know, uh, I know that's uh, not the committee's taste, but uh, I will always support the group of five teams because they're good football teams and they deserve the recognition. We we all, at least I do. I get sick of seeing the same big boys as the as we like to call them, the power five teams every year. The same couple teams. I want to see these G five teams in there battling out with these with the with the p5s but uh before i close i'm going to talk about my top five heisman candidates now we're in november um i feel like it's time to talk about that and i think number one has to be kenneth walker the third from michigan state i think he separated himself 
from the rest of the pack. I think that Michigan game, he separated himself. And uh, I understand he's had a couple rough games, but even against Purdue, I mean, he still looked amazing. And then the next five I'm going to list are not in order, not in any particular order. Kenneth Walker's number one, but then the next the next four guys I'm going to list, I'm just going to name them off. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle from Georgia. I feel like he has to be mentioned. Um, just like Will Will Anderson from Alabama needs to be as well. But because, because of nobody really stepping up and having a moment uh, like Kenneth Walker did, but Jordan Davis is – First off, a mountain of a man, but uh, I mean, he's taken on double teams every single snap, and he still dominates football games. So I feel like he just needs to be mentioned in the conversation. Um, next up, I got running back Tyler Algier. What he's done at BYU, the resurgence there. I mean, I know they got a bad loss to Boise State, but but he has been tremendous running the football. He had five touchdowns in their last game. He's playing tremendous. I think he's got to be mentioned. Then I got two quarterbacks to round it out. Bryce Young from Alabama. <coughs> um, very, very deserving. I mean, he's the quarterback of Alabama. I think year in, year out, the quarterback of Alabama needs to be mentioned. But uh, he's stepped in and played lights out. But then the next guy, the final guy I have on my list, Grayson McCall, Coastal Carolina. His completion percentage, his QB rating, out of this world touchdown interception ratio out of this world there there's not there has not been a quarterback more accurate in college football than Grayson McCall and I'm gonna say as as a Detroit Lions fan there's nobody no quarterback coming out this year that I'm like super super excited about to get in the draft um so I have to say like I want an accurate quarterback, and Grayson McCall is that accurate quarterback. He he gets it done game in and game out, guys. And and prayers for a speedy recovery for him for whatever his ailment is. I hope he can get back on the field as soon as possible. Um, again, guys, I hinted towards uh, my potential uh, next game this Saturday, Minnesota at Iowa. I think I'm going to make the trip to Iowa City for that game. Um, then the following week, I will be Tuesday matching Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan. I will be in Ypsilanti for that game. So I'm really, really hoping I'm able to cross two two more stadiums off my list in the next uh, handful of days. Really looking forward to that. As everybody knows, that's the whole point of of me doing this. I want to, to take everybody along the journey for my uh, – campus tour to go to every to go to all the fbs venues currently there's 130 but with the news of jmu uh sam houston state jagsville state moving on up it's going to be 133 so uh and i think that number is only going to continue to grow but uh obviously something really really cool really excited to uh continue to get to more stadiums in the future uh, my goal of five, if I'm able to get to these next two, that gets me to four. So I, I'm, I feel like I'm in a good spot to get to five, maybe even six, uh, depending. But uh, 
again, guys, thank you for always tuning in, listening in. Hope you guys enjoy the show weekly. Again, uh, feel free uh, daily. I'm always posting stuff on the Twitter account at TNT College Float One uh, for daily content. Trying to put a, a lot of different things out there. Um, just my opinion and get to get people thinking, ask questions, interact with different fan base and everything. It's a lot of fun. Uh, this Thursday, I got a really cool uh, interview lined up. Hopefully, hopefully uh, everyone will enjoy that. Um, but you can also feel free to follow me on my personal account at uh, Coach underscore B Will. Again, guys, thanks for tuning in. Have a good night. God bless.